Jeremiah chapter 1 and I'm going to read from verses 11 to 19 moreover the word of the Lord came to me saying Jeremiah what do you see and I said I see a branch of an almond tree then the Lord said to me you have seen well for I am ready to perform my word and the word of the Lord came to me the second time saying what do you see and I said I see a boiling pot and it is facing away from the north then the Lord said to me out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land for behold I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north says the Lord and they shall come and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah I will let them my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness because they have forsaken me they have burned incense to other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands therefore prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you speak to them all that I command you do not be dismayed before their faces lest I dismay you before them for behold I have made you this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land against the kings of Judah against its princes against its priests and against the people of the land and they will fight against you but they shall not prevail against you for I am with you says the Lord to deliver you now so far as we've um, studied this uh, this book of Jeremiah and uh, especially this first chapter we've been privy, privy to the invisible work of God in the preparation of this great man of God even before conception we saw that God had a plan for him before I formed you in the womb I knew you he was at work in his life he formed him in the womb he ordained him he set him apart all in the secret place even before anything was apparent even before his mother knew that she was having him God did all these wonderful things uh, to him and for him but then if you remember last time I know we had a week off when Matthew came in last week uh, but last time we saw that the weakness of Jeremiah where in spite of God's meticulous preparation Jeremiah still felt incapable of carrying out the purposes that God had placed upon his life you know even though we, those first couple of verses would tell us that God was active before he was born uh, and therefore prepared him while he was living those first 20 or so years Jeremiah still felt incapable of carrying out the purposes that God had placed on his life and now having dealt with Jeremiah's fears God begins the painstaking work of getting his protege, his disciple, to the place where he understands his task and recognizes that he is the one to carry it out. God has put a mark on him and a purpose on him and it is only he that will be the one to carry it out. Now God asks him two questions and they are the most simplest questions you know I thank God my grandfather always used to say to us I thank God that we haven't got to jump over a house to get saved now I can't understand that analogy why you, 
what, what it means to jump over the house. But you know, it, what he was saying is nothing complicated about salvation. It's a simple trust. Even the smallest child can put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will recognize the smallest child, child's faith and bring him or her into the kingdom. That's why there's a, a place for people, little people like this right. in our gathering. Because God can speak to anyone at all at any time. And it's only a simple putting your trust. And here we have this simple question. It's an observational question. You know, if he was on uh, Question of Sport now, uh, Sue Bach would say, it's the observational room. And you're going to keep your eyes open and see what is about to happen. And the question was, what do you see? What do you see? No, a question couldn't get any easier than that. In fact, if all questions were as simple as that, I would have had a lot more O-levels to my name. Because I can always tell you what I can see. Except for that one time when I went for um, a board and the man told me to put it, my hand over my right eye. Which I did. And then what happened next, I got no idea because I couldn't see anything. Because I am going to say to my left. What do you see, he said. And I just stood there like a mute because I couldn't see anything, of course. But most of the time, if anybody asks me what can I see, I tell, I, this morning, what do I see? I can see 5,000 people in my congregation. <laughs> 5,000 people in an 100-seater church. What a sight that would be. You know, um, open your eyes, Jeremiah, and say what you see. You know, sometimes we make the Christian walk so, so complicated. You know, we look around for hidden things, for mysterious things. You know, when circumstances prevail, we wonder what God is doing now. What does God want me to do? What is He saying to me? What's His will for me? I gotta wait on Him. I gotta. It all sounds so really supernatural. And you know how many books are out there in the in the bookshops which claim to give you the secret of God's will for your life? If you do this, if you go there, if you give this. You know, and then we would say, oh, if only I had a word from God on this, I would know how to react, which direction to follow. And then God asked Jeremiah, what do you see? And it's that simple. The will of God is that simple. We don't need big books, costly books. We don't need to go to a man across the other side of the world to tell us what God's will is for our lives. It's simple. The Christian walk is simple. God's will is there for us. Uh, staring us in the face. What do you see? You know, and um, we were, this year, when we were on holidays up in Narva, because there were so many of us, every time we went somewhere, we had Tyrone and Lily, the kids, in our car. And for those of you that have travelled around Narva, it's all lanes and trees and edges. It's all it is. Yeah. Whenever you go, you've got to go through mines. What were we playing? I spy. We playing I spy. Something beginning with T. Something beginning with T. You know, say what you see. That's what uh, God wants Jeremiah to do. Simple, boring, simple, but simple, mundane, but simple. You know what I would say to you in your Christian walk? 
don't complicate things. Yeah. Don't com- you might look super spiritual if you complicate things, but don't think that you have to have a degree in deciphering God's will in order to come and understand God's will. You know, uh, to use the cliche from the Rugby World Cup, you can only play what's in front of you. You can only play what's in front of you. What is God's will for your life? Well, let me tell you, open your eyes and say what you see. That's what God's will is for your life. It's not a mystical thing. It's not a hidden thing. It's not something you're going to search deep down in some mind for. It's there, plain as the nose on your face. Say what you see. What do you see? Well, Jeremiah's first answer. I see a branch of an almond tree. He must have been in the same lanes as me. It is all that we could see. You know, and, uh, but he said what he saw. You know, there's nothing super spiritual about this. There's nothing spectacular. There's nothing supernatural. You, you know, one man said in, in his commentary, perhaps he was washing the dishes, looking out in the garden, and there was an almond tree. And the first thing he saw was the rod or the branch of an almond tree. So he said, that's it. That's it. And do you know, as simple as it is, God congratulated him. You've seen well, he said. You've seen well. So all he could do is open his eyes and say what he's seen. But God was so, so thrilled. I don't think that there's anything supernatural or cryptic about Jeremiah's answer. This was an observational round. And Jeremiah had just responded with the first thing that his eyes had rested upon. No, it wasn't a burning bush moment. You know, with the, with the, the, the flames going up and the bush not, uh, not burning. No, this wasn't a, a sort of a seven candlestick moment when the Apostle John was in heaven. No, this was simply an almond tree. You know, and that's what makes this answer so special. God is so down to earth. He's practical. He's practical. And we must respond to him practically. And look at what we see. I see the branch of an almond tree. Now, if you've got an honest Bible in your hands, uh, you see that the word branch has a footnote attached to it. Or indeed, if you have a King James Version, which is the older version, or the New American Standard Bible, then you'll notice the word is different. It should read, I see a rod of an almond tree. You know what? That's important. Because it gives us, gives it an even greater significance. Because we've met in our studies in Emmanuel, we have already met this rod before. You know, when we did Hebrews, you know, we looked, we opened up the ark, and we got to chapter 9, I think it was. We opened up the ark, and we looked in, and what did we see? We saw the broken law, we saw the pot of manna, and we saw Aaron's rod that budded. So we are used to, we are familiar with this, uh, with this rod. You know, and if you remember the story of why that rod is in the, the Ark of the Covenant, we must whiz back all the way to Numbers, and we can see that there is this um, rebellion against Moses and the leadership of Moses by a man called Korah. You know, <coughs> and a number of his friends. And they get up one day, and they challenge Moses, why should we listen to you? Why should we listen? Why should we go because you say? Why should we stay because you say? What authority have you got? You know what, of course, Moses, the wise man, he didn't answer straight away, and say, look, 
I was at the burning bush. I was the one that brought the ten plagues. I opened the Red Sea. I made the, the waters of manna sweet. No, he didn't say that. He stopped. And he went to the Lord. And asked the Lord what he should do. You know, the strangest thing he should do. He said, go to the heads of all the tribes, there's twelve heads, and ask them to put their rod in the tabernacle. Now every tribe had a rod. It was, a, it was like our mace. Uh, what it, uh, uh, that we have in uh, in Parliament, that big silver, that big silver thing with a big lump on the top. That's our the mace of authority. You know, we got one probably going in the Ronda but Council as well. You know, and these are the an almond rod. That was the rod that gave them the authority of their tribe. And he says, Come and bring them all, twelve of them, into the tabernacle. And we leave them there overnight. In other words, for God to decide who is leading this, this, uh, this tribe through the wilderness. And of course we know the story that in the morning it was Aaron's rod that had budded. And not only had it budded, but it had brought forth blossoms and it had also yielded ripe almonds overnight. You know, talk about the miracle of the turning the water into wine. You know, this, you know, this man, he put a dead stick in the presence of God and God brought almonds from it. You know, I wonder what those almonds would have tasted like. Oh, can you imagine? But there they were. And you we can see the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. You know, and um, that's what we, the principle that we see being worked out through that story. And of course we have to uh, sort of bring that story into our story this morning because it's significant that it's an almond rod. You are therefore we can say that um, Jeremiah, if you were going to speak according to my word, if you were going to approach this nation with a word from me, know this that you have the authority of heaven behind you. You have the, the authority of the Creator behind you. You have the, the authority of God behind you. You are His sovereignty. And sovereignty means soul rule. You know, and the soul rule of the universe has put His mark on Jeremiah and put His word in His mouth so that when He spoke, He spoke sovereignly to the people. And therefore they had to listen to what he had to say. You know, and it's great to know that when we when we uh, preach the gospel, then we preach with the authority of heaven behind us. We have the the the, the throne of heaven is behind us. All authority. What did Jesus say uh, to the or the centurion once said to, to Jesus? He says, I'm a man under authority, the same as you, he says. I know how it works. He said, I say something and someone does it because I'm representing Rome. And I've got the authority of Rome behind me when I make a command. Therefore that soldier has to do what I told him to do. And he said, Jesus, you can do that with sickness, he says. You have the authority of heaven behind you. And that sickness or that demon has to go because you have said so. Because the throne is behind you. You know, when we preach the gospel... We are preaching with the authority of the throne of God itself. Of God itself. Of this omnipotent, omniscient God. He backs us up. And therefore, if someone is, is um, challenged by the word of God, 
then I can say put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved you will be. how do I know because I've got the authority of heaven backing up the message that I've, I've brought and so this principle of God's sovereignty is being worked out here you know, that's why God could say you have seen well for I am ready to perform my word I am ready to do what I'm telling you to do you know he's going he's gonna to do something uh, really radical in, to Israel or to Judah and um, you know he needs that encouragement because he's going to say things that are not going to be pleasant I, you know, I refer you back to verse 10 in the passage which uh, was a part of our, of our passage last week you know, and this is what it says this, this is the mandate of, jo- of Jeremiah and you can see now why he needs the authority of God behold I have put my words in your mouth he says see I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out to pull down to destroy to throw down and then to build and plant so we can see that Jeremiah's mission is an enormous one it's going to be a painful one but more than that it's going to be a much resisted one people are not going to take this from this whippersnapper young man that's why he needed the assurance of the authority of God because now he's not speaking from his own self he's speaking speaking from God you know, and you know this very often the building the kingdom is not all about building it sometimes comes down to tearing down you wonder can you recall the absolute destruction of this place you know how beautiful it looks this morning it's fabulous you know every time I walk in this place I'm amazed and every person who comes in for the first time is amazed at how beautiful this is but if we was to wind back to 2006 around about the August September October mark if you would open that door and looked in you you would have been flabbergasted because this was a destructive sort of uh, bomb site that's all it was why because we had to pull down we had to root out we had to tear down before we could ever build up you know, in the society of our day, if it's to grow in the things of God, then many things will have to be dismantled. Each person that we witness to will feel the harsh reality of lifestyle realignment if they are to come under the authority of Christ and receive Him as Saviour and live for Him. Because the people in the world are so far away from God now. They will have to make a massive step to come under the, the sovereignty of God. And there will be reluctance and resentment and there will be resistance to the things of God. And therefore we need we need the sovereignty of God behind us. You know, I'm not to- just talking about the people out there. That's easy. There's people in here, myself included, even us who have served the Lord for years. We know that there are areas in our lives that God needs to dismantle before He can grow us uh, into something else. No one, it's a daunting task. And it's a task that is fraught with danger and, and hurt. But Jeremiah, 
has looked and what has he seen he's seen a rod of an almond tree and yes it speaks of the sovereignty of God but the almond tree is a very special tree also in that it's a tree that is the sign of hope you know the hope that the winter is coming to an end and the summer or the spring is about to dawn now I've uh, the Amplified Bible has a footnote on the almond tree and this is what it says the almond tree was known as the awake tree the awake tree because it was the first tree to bud in the new year and therefore it became a, a symbol of watchfulness for the coming uh, season and in fact with the almond tree the flowers come before the leaves and then when you see the blossom the flowers you know that summer is on its way it's a sign of new life it's a sign of new hope you know when we go on in this part of the scripture the Lord said to me you have seen well for I am ready I am ready to perform my task my word you know I'm Jeremiah your task is great yes you were young yes you will experience opposition brutal opposition but be not discouraged because I am ready to perform my word you know, notice where the emphasis is there it's not on Jeremiah it's on God and it's not on Jeremiah's word it's on God's word I am ready to perform my word I'm ready to act on my word I'm awake Jeremiah I'm awake and you're obviously young being asleep but he encourages Jeremiah that he's awake to the problems that is existing in Israel now we can go back to Egypt and um, or we can go back to the Tower of Babel what does it say and the Lord came down to have a look it's, that's, that blows me away like this the Lord came down to have a look at what was going on and when he saw what was going on he put a stop to it and then it says, and it says he, God says to Moses at the burning bush I've come down and I've seen and I've heard the, the cries of my people you know and it's almost as like if he, if he was unaware before you know hey they're doing something down in Babel let's go down and have a little look no, no, he's aware. Let me tell you, he knows. He knew the first brick that went down in the Tower of Babel. You know, but that's how he is. He came down and stopped it. He came down and rescued the children of Israel. And here he is, Jeremiah. I'm awake. I'm watching over my word. I will execute my will and my purpose. Jeremiah, if you were going to preach my word in my name, then you must have the vision of the almond tree before your eyes at every point it tells you that I am here I am here it tells you that I am active it tells you that I am with you you know and that's going to be the greatest encouragement for any young preacher or any old preacher that ever takes the pulpit or takes a stand in the street or whoever witnesses in work or whatever it may be in the home it's got to be the greatest comfort and encouragement
to know that God knows, that God's awake, that God's active, that His Word will never return to Him void, and that He is the one who will be with you at every point. Mm. You know, I've often said that um, I spent the whole of my um, working life, you know, beside, you know, besides working in the church, when I was down the pit, when I was in the factory, when I was in the hospital, I never ever had a buddy who was in the faith. You know, I was always, in whatever group of men I worked with, I would always be on my own. And it's a lonely walk. The Christian life is a lonely walk. You know, because there are certain things that are going on that you have to withdraw from. Because you know that that's not the place for you, or that's not the thing for you, or that's not the activity for you. Because it would uh, jar your relationship with God. So that you have to move away. You want, very often you become quite lonely in the walk that God has given you. But when you realize, when you see the almond tree that is in front of you, that God is sovereign in this moment, and God is here in this moment. You want, if we keep that in the front of our eyes, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, you want, I'm not only talking about witnessing and preaching and stuff, this is life. This is life, you know. This is normal everyday life. You know, we all go through terrible experiences in life. You know, even as Christians, we're not immune to bereavement. We're not immune to debilitating illnesses. We're not immune to the things that the world, you know, because we are yet in our bodies and it's still our old bodies are waiting to be redeemed. So don't ever think that you can be walk above the clouds. If you were Christian, what? Because you can't. We have problems. You know, we have financial problems, health problems, relationship problems, work problems. We have all these things. But in it all, if we keep that almond tree in front of our eyes, if we see for Him for who He is, that He is acting His sovereignty over you, and that He is walking with you. In fact, the Bible tells us that He is dwelling within you. So really speaking, we're never alone. You know, we might feel lonely sometimes. You know, but as you do, you know, if ever you come to a circumstance when you feel alone in a circumstance, shut your eyes and have a look at the almond tree. See if it's still there. Is God still there? Is he still there? And the answer would be yes. Because he's I will never leave you, he says. Never leave you or forsake you. No, not even to the end of the age. You know, that hasn't come yet. Might come later on today, it hasn't come yet. So he's still with us. And here we are in his presence this morning. He's active. He's here. He's with us. You know, and so this morning, when we come to our circumstance, yes, Jeremiah, we can see what God is doing for you. What about us? And is our society any worse than Jeremiah's? Is it more difficult than Jeremiah's? Is it more difficult for God to work today? You know, and the, well, you know, the answer is that I would think that our society is worse than Jeremiah's. We've slipped further and further away from him. Um, we've come to that place, I believe, that in the days of uh, the coming of the Lord, they'd be the same as the days of 
nowhere. And um, this wasn't the case with Jeremiah, but it's the case with us. We are living in days that are right for the second coming. I gotta be honest with you. When I look out and listen to what's being said and done, then I can't see anything that uh, would stop the Lord from coming at this present moment in time. But is it more difficult for God to work? No. No, because He is still sovereign. Even in the darkest moment of history, He is still sovereign. Of course it's not di more difficult. For yes, this is a dark time. Perhaps the darkest time since the flood. But it's not too dark that God cannot shine His light into the lives of men and women, of those people that we speak to. He is still, even today, building his kingdom, building his church. There are still people, even today, who are receiving the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. People being drawn to him. You know, and if the pictures on, the, on Facebook are true that I have, of hundreds of people, Muslims and everything, who are being baptized in the name of Jesus, if they are right, and I believe they are, then God is still working. He's still gathering. Even in this most dark place that we belong to. It's not too hard for God to work. It's not too bleak that God can't make a difference in the way society is going. It's not too hard that the gospel can't penetrate into the hardest and the stoniest of hearts. You know, sometimes, if you're like me, the outline of the almond rod is difficult to make out sometimes. And you know, I don't know if it's the same in the world, uh, but um, if I watch a little bit more TV than I normally do, and I go up in the car, I can't focus my eye, right, because uh, it, it gets a bit blurred. I don't know if it's lazy or it's getting old, you know, and the muscles can't get back to where it should be. But I've noticed that, that if I, or if I, you know, if I'm working on my iPad or my computer, and then I go up into the garden and I, I just can't, I can't focus myself again. Can't get that uh, um, that clear sight that I got. And sometimes the almond tree is a little blue. And if God said to me, "What do you see?" I'd I, I have to say, "Well, I can see something, but I really can't make out what I can see." There's so much cloud. There's so much confusion. You know, and, and sometimes that happens. You know, it can it, the the edges can be blurred. But my uh, counsel this morning, as we come to the end of our message, is never let it out of your sight. Even though sometimes it gets a little blurred and you wonder, God, what are you doing? You know, where are you in this? Why am I going through this? Why me? Why now? You know, yet, or even if it's blurred around the edges, never let it out of your sight. Never let it go. God is sovereign. God is with us. Never let that go. If we are going to reach out into our community for Christ, we have to keep it in view. Or we'll have to give up. Once we lose that understanding, we will fail miserably. The almond rod. The almond rod tells us that God is sovereign. The almond, the almond rod tells us that God is here. The almond rod tells us that God is active. And the almond rod tells us that God will see his will 
and this purpose then in our lives and in the lives to whom we witness keep it before your eyes keep it before your eyes never lose sight of it so that when he says to you Linda what do you see Sandra what do you see I see an almond tree you've seen well says God you've seen well and I pray that our must be our testimony that God would say to us you've seen well I am you and I am working out my purposes for Jesus' sake